Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Catch up on some texts here. Paul says number 11 used to be mean and play with an edge. I think the city likes a bit of a mean streak in a talented player. My guess is Nurse gained more fans last night. Another texter says Nurse should have let Polak square up and fight him like a man. Pretty chicken way to fight a guy. I'm sure San Jose won't forget. And another texter says next game versus the Sharks. Heavyweight bout Burns versus Nurse. Be great, too, if Nurse could grow a big beard between now and then, and then they could fight. Scoreboard update. Early in the third period, the Islanders and the Leafs are tied 2-2. Still no score. Chicago and St. Louis, they're early in the second period. Still to come tonight, Predators at the Flames. The Ducks play the Avalanche. Los Angeles will host Washington. The uh, Capitals already over 100 points. The Coyotes will play the Canucks uh, a little bit later on. They both have 62 points. The Oilers in the wild tomorrow. So Nurse has the hearing tomorrow. Osterley called up from the farm. Hendricks, Sekera, and Party didn't practice today. We'll know more about their statuses uh, tomorrow, though I think Hendricks is hoping to play. McDavid with Hall and Cassian today. Dreisaitl centered Maroon and Eberly, but uh, Todd McClellan, as he often says, the lines are in pencil, not pen. Kelly Rudy's going to join us in a few minutes. I just want to expand a little bit here on uh, on the Patrick Maroon post-game comment. I'll just quickly play it again, commenting on uh, allowing that goal 93 seconds into the game last night against San Jose. We hung our heads and uh, we, didn't, we just deflated. I thought we didn't play a good hockey game at all. Um, when they get a goal, you just see our bench deflate, and it's like, here we go again. Well, I think we got to respond better to that. We got to play better hockey, and we got to hold each other accountable. You know, this is a hard league, but it can't be individual stuff. We got to play together as a team and as a group. Text from Beaumont Cowboy. I've been an Oilers fan all my life. I can't agree more with Maroon's comments. The player that pouts the most is Hall. When the camera pans on him and the other team scores, he looks like his dog died. Does everyone forget the water bottle Aikens incident? That's who Hall is. He needed a hard-nosed veteran to show him the ropes, and he never got it. Maroon needs to give Hall a slap. That's from Beaumont Cowboy. You know, the last time I was in Beaumont, I was uh, emceeing the opening ceremonies of minor hockey provincials. And I got a photo radar ticket. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it's just a little aside there, Matthew Panashik. Uh, you know, I think that's an interesting comment. Uh, Hall needed a hard-nosed veteran to show him the ropes, and he never got it. Have the Oilers had enough veterans who were leaders and who could also play half-decent hockey? Have they had enough of those guys while Hall, Nugent Hopkins, Yakupov, Eberle, Nurse Dreisaitl have all been coming up through the league. Have they had enough of those guys to uh, assist in development? I, th- I think that's a, been a big failing of the franchise. And, and look, I, 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 I was doing that interview with Maroon live. I asked the question, how did you react to the early goal? Or I, I probably didn't phrase it quite that well at the time. But that, and, that, and that's what he said. And I was like, holy crap, he's really, he's really putting it out there that this team didn't react well. Here's a new guy noticing that why aren't we staying with this a little more and I did think he was the best oiler last night I asked McClellan today about Maroon's comment it's a good observation I think um, we're so used to Cam playing 
you know, like a shield back there and nothing gets through on them. Uh, when that one got through, I think there was a little bit of a sag with a team that was playing back-to-back -back and we wanted to get off to a good start. So mentally there was the sag there. And Patty's coming over from a team that's won, you know, 28 of 30 games and he was participating in that so they had a very strong resilience there. Um, I'm not sure what it was like early in the year in Anaheim for them but uh, you know maybe their emotional level dropped there too but uh, it's something that we're trying to work on. Um, I think we've been a scrappy group over the last little bit. If things don't go our way we're able to stick with it. Saw that as the game went on we didn't uh, didn't fade or go away but uh, we're not a strong enough team throughout to uh, to give five, seven, ten minutes away a night. Can, can players learn resilience or do you think it's something they, they naturally have from, you know, maybe you're born that way or you learn it when you're younger or, or can other guys well, bring it along? I think other guys can drag them into to being resilient. Um, you know, some deal with the past and um, have that mentality of here we go again and those are the toughest ones. Uh, the newer players are going, well, what happened? We got scored on, let's play. So we're trying to blend all of that together and find a, a nice medium. So I'm glad that Patty and <coughs> Party and those type of uh, new bodies are speaking up in those situations because it's important for us to be resilient. And, and you know, that's, that's another thing I, I, I wonder too. I mean, these, these are all human beings. And, I, you know, I know a lot of people say, well, they're paid all this money. They should always be able to try their hardest. Unfortunately, it's not quite that simple. And they are human beings, and they all react to success and adversity differently. And I think some people, I mean, look, all, all of you are uh, bosses, workers, students, parents, whatever. You all see things that people in your life, you know, just handle things differently. And some people handle trouble better. So I guess it comes down to, do you believe if the Oilers are having trouble with, with, with situations like allowing an early goal, do you think that they can learn to deal with it better? Or do you simply need to bring in people who naturally deal with it better. I guess that's the distinction there. Uh, I asked Latestu after the game, I mean, is it just that you guys didn't deal with success well? How come you can't string more better games together? This group has to respond uh, the next game, and I think that's that's a telling sign. Uh, you know, if we don't go in the, the gutter for seven games like we did prior uh, to this little bit of a run we've got, I think that shows something. So a uh, bounce back, uh, you know, s some character, uh, you know, big game going into Minnesota. All right, that was Mark Letestu after last night's game. We'll see. We'll see that. We'll see what happens the next time something bad happens. Obviously, they they played well on the road. Uh, they didn't play a team that was in the playoffs, though that was a big game for Philly, fighting for a playoff spot. Um, that was an important game for San Jose. Huge game again for Minnesota tomorrow. So we'll see how the Oilers stand in there in a place where they don't do well against a team where that game means a lot. Kelly Rudy will talk a little Nurse Maroon and who knows what else when we get back. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. Well, thank you very much for tuning in tonight. 
The Briar today, Alberta beat BC 7-2 and then Quebec 9-4. So Kevin Cooey's bunch 6-3, currently in fourth place. Big game against Team Canada tomorrow. They win that one. They would uh, pretty much lock up a spot in the page playoffs. It is 7-16. Former NHL goaltender Kelly Rudy, now a broadcaster with the NHL on Rogers, joins us every week here on Inside Sports. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm well, Reed, and yourself? I am doing great. Thanks for making time for us. Uh, I know our uh, our schedules don't uh, work out great this year because what we got Oilers uh, or this week I should say got Oilers Tuesday, Thursday. You got Flames. What you had a Monday tonight and then again on Friday. Uh, you know what? I'm lucky this week. They've uh, taken me off the Friday show, so this week I don't have to take the red eye to Toronto. So I'm lucky. I get to work uh, tonight. Have, I have a rather busy day in the city of Calgary tomorrow with some speaking events and so on, and then I get to take a regular flight to Toronto on Friday. So my workload is kind of decent this week. No, that's interesting. When people want Kelly Rudy to speak to them, who yeah. wants that, and what do they expect to hear? <laughs> that's, uh, I don't know um, where to begin with that because it's been <laughs> so incredible. I, I mean, I've been literally across this entire country for different organizations, um, mostly sports-related, but uh, I've had other events, Reed, and this may surprise you and your uh, listeners, because of there's, there's this company that I have this real good affiliation with in Calgary, and they're called Tiny Public, and they get to world-class speakers um, to come to many different cities across Canada. I think they may have done a few in the States, but I think mostly across Canada. I'm talking uh, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, Colin Powell. Um, uh, uh, just the list is endless. Anyways, through my connection with them, I have interviewed uh, George uh, W. Bush once. I did uh, George W. and his dad at another event, and I've done uh, Bill Clinton in Kelowna. So I get those kinds of uh, deals, which I really am, I think I really enjoy the interviewing more so than just speaking for 45 minutes about my life or leadership or uh, anything along those lines. So it's a really varied thing. In fact, tomorrow is uh, I'm speaking at an event here in Calgary with uh, Brian Burke, uh, Shane Doan, Ty Domi, and toasted by George Gosby, one of the uh, owners of the Arizona Coyotes. So it's a real di- diverse group, and so that should be fun as well. Wow, well, that sounds cool. Have fun with that, man. Uh, Kelly Rudy joining us here on Inside Sports. We have him on every week. A couple of interesting things out of that Oilers game last night, I, I thought, Kelly. First of all, let's start with the uh, the moment of aggression with uh, Darnell Nurse and Roman Polak. I mean, look, we all know this is an Oilers team that hasn't been nearly tough enough, hasn't initiated enough. Darnell has that in his makeup for sure. But in terms of that particular incident, how does that resonate with you? I'm fine with it. If uh, something got him going, and as you said, he has that in his nature, I'm going to live with that. And if there's disciplinary action, I'll live with that as well. Because what you can't teach, what you can't convince a person of being is aggressive. And if they're just not aggressive by nature, they will roll over every time. So I would prefer to have to try and calm a guy down as opposed to trying to get them ramped up, and uh, it'll never happen. So I'm, I would more than uh, be uh, willing to accept what he's done. I'd, I would, I'd love him on my team for not only what he brings uh, 
offensively for a young guy, his uh, willingness to try and jump into the play and make something happen, but also his uh, level of uh, aggression. I just love that. I think that people underestimate the importance of aggression or intimidation in uh, not only hockey but other sports, and it's such an important factor. And like I said, if, if a guy doesn't have it, he'll never get it. So you were okay then knowing that you might have had a teammate, and I'm sure you did when you played, that you might have had a teammate where you would know, okay, I know tonight he might take a bad penalty, but I'll take that over the seven or eight other times in between where where he's going to stand up for me and he's going to scare somebody. You were willing to live with those moments that might cost the team, eh? I would I'd be more willing to live with those penalties than a hooking or, uh, you know, an interference or something like that, a, a non-aggressive in, or, uh, penalty. I really think it's important that you have players like that. And, and keep in mind, when you're on the ice and you see your player that has that thing about him that people think that from occasionally he might snap, you should look in the eyes of the other team. I mean, they sense it, and, uh, and they play a different game. So that's a real quality. That's not a fault. Well, it's funny, too, that that happened last night on a night where Brian Marchment was the Oilers alumni uh, member honored because yeah. of the last season of Rexville Place. And, <laughs> and, I mean, that's what that's the one thing I remember about Marchment. He, like, let's face it, some of his hits were downright cheap. But if you are if you were an opponent, you might have been like, oh, is this the night I'm going to be the guy that gets hit that way? Yeah, and, but let's not put Nurse and Marchman in the same well, category. Well, no, fair I, enough, but yeah. <laughs> I did play with Brian, and he he clearly had a screw loose when he played. And uh, <laughs> I know I would not have wanted to play against him uh, uh, if I were a skater. I mean, it didn't really affect me as a goalie, but I just – he he did anything and everything he wanted. I, I can't even recall how many times he was suspended. All right, Kelly Rudy joining us in Inside Sports. Now, the last night's game – and you know what, Kelly, first of all, I want to preface this. You said a couple of weeks ago, look, the Oilers are out of the playoffs, but you were going to say, I want to judge their work ethic and, and how hard they play and are they willing to commit to some details. And you know what, mm-hmm. they, they've been doing that. And they won three out of four on the road where they haven't been good this season. There's no question goaltending was a big part of that. But but nonetheless, they, they I think they were playing a little more responsible Last night they fell behind early, and it was a bad goal allowed by a guy who's been saving their bacon a lot. And after the game, Patrick Maroon said, live on this very station, we hung our heads and we just deflated. He went on to say, when they get a goal, you just see our bench deflate, and it's here we go again. Well, I think we have to respond better than that. More stuff as well. I played the clip earlier in the show. Yeah. To me, yeah. that is like, oh, interesting. This is a guy who's been an Oiler for eight days and he's telling us that they get scored on and they kind of, uh, you know, mope around for 40 minutes before they come to life in the third. Yeah, it tells me that's a guy that uh, knows what a winning environment should be. Uh, He played on some pretty good duck teams recently and as well uh, this year from January 1st to recently, they've been the best team. So he knows all about how the mindset has to be. And that's concerning when he comes in there. And as you said, only eight days in, he recognizes that's a real weakness. And what really bothers me about that, that type of weakness, and this isn't specific to the Oilers. This is a, I think a hockey general comment that it it always really annoyed me when skaters would say that when a goalie gives up a bad goal, because in turn, 
a goalie can't pout or hang his head if a guy makes a really bad turnover and the puck comes my way. You just have to suck it up and, and play and do your job. And if a goaltender lets in a bad goal, you should be professional enough to put your head down and go out your next shift and be as great as you can possibly be. And so that just tells me that this is a team that, although I do think they've made some progress recently, they're, they're still miles away from really having that, that uh, um, I don't know, that it really important factor that you can play through anything. You know, when you look at really good teams, I always said this about the Red Wings when they were on their, that really great run for a number of years, won a bunch of cups. If you watch them, you wouldn't know by looking at their bench if they're winning 4-1 or losing 4-1. Nothing changed. Mm-hmm. They just look the exact same every night, and that's a real important thing that you have to try and get to. It's, it's, it's not easy to find that headspace, but you've got to get there somehow. So you do think it can, to some extent, be taught or, or brought out in people? Yep. You do, eh? Yes, I do. And that's where strong leadership is important. That's where strong coaching is important. Um, strong management is important. So they have a lot of those qualities already with uh, Shirelli and with Bob Nicholson, with Todd and, and the rest of the coaching staff. So they have that. And they, the good thing about that, they're not going to give in to those feelings. They're not going to say, yeah, you're right, guys. You, you know, tough night by our goaltender. And so there, there will not be any of those sort of excuses uh, helping them. All right, Kelly, before I let you go, I want to ask you about uh... – about the Flames, we've talked about before, I mean, not not a good year for the Alberta teams. The, the Flames didn't yeah. think this would happen to them. Um, I, I don't think there's going to be any victory, whichever team winds up higher in the standings. What's it just been like around the Flames now that they've dropped way out of it, traded a couple of guys, all that? For the most part, I've got to tell you, I, I'm fairly impressed with how they're playing considering where they are in the standings. Uh, and, and you know I cover them virtually every game. They went recently on a seven-game losing streak, but in my opinion, they could have lost or could have won at least three or four of them. What was hurting them? They'd get off to a bad start, and then they'd have to fight their way back into the game, and they usually would. And in a lot of cases, they'd be the better of the two teams for the majority of the second and always in the third period. But you know, it was too late. Mm-hmm. So I give them that that they weren't giving in to their oh woe is me feelings. Uh, as you know, in fact, you go back to Monday's game when uh, San Jose was here. I don't know if you caught any of it, but Calgary played a fabulous game right from start to finish. They ended up losing in overtime, and uh, they're in fact lucky to to tie it in the last minute on the power play. But I'll, I'll tell you what, they played awfully hard. I'm curious to see if that's going to carry over tonight because that's the, that's the thing. You can't go out there and be. Uh, uh, fantastic one night and then let your level drop. Now, I don't care where you are in the standings. Kelly, we really appreciate your time. Great insight on the nurse and maroon stuff. We will do this again next week, sir. My pleasure, Reed. Have a great night, bud. That is Kelly Rudy checking in inside sports on 6.30. Chet, he liked what nurse did. So now maybe all you people that hated him for the booing comments can start to like him again. <laughs> 7.27. This is going to be pretty cool. Paul McCallum recently hung up the cleats after a long football career. He's next. You're listening to 6.30 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. You heard that Guns and Roses 
contest we go what got going on. Don't forget also on the Ched website, best seats in the house, best seats in the house, front row tickets, row one to see the Oilers and the Blues on March 16th, one of the last games at Rexall Place. Your chance to win tickets. Check it out, 630Ched.com. Islanders up 3-2 on the Leafs now late in the third period. Chicago one nothing over St. Louis, five minutes left in the second period. Four games still to come. The Oilers have called Jordan Osterley up from the farm. Darnell Nurse will have a uh, hearing tomorrow with the Department of Player Safety. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in. It's 7.35. The scoreboard was presented by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, visit crystalglass.ca. Well, the only thing that I don't like about this next segment with this next guest is that I don't think I'm going to have enough time to ask him everything I would like to ask him. He recently retired after playing 23 seasons of professional football, 339 games in the Canadian Football League. It's a pleasure to welcome to Inside Sports kicker Paul McCallum. Paul, welcome to the show. My name is Reed. How are you doing, sir? Uh, I'm doing well, Reed. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, it is uh, It is great to talk to you. And, uh, wow, I, I almost don't know where to begin because I've been watching you uh, since I was in high school, uh, and, uh, well, I guess university. I guess I was just out of high school. Um, that I'll, I'll, I'll that start, sounds better. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with the uh, the basic question that I usually start with. Uh, how, how did you know it, it was it was time to hang him up after all these years? Uh, I mean, it's it's been coming for a while. Um, you know, I mean, I think I've accomplished everything that I've wanted to accomplish in the game, and. Uh, you know, at my age, I can, I could, I think I could probably play another year. But at the end of the day, I've got to, got to think about life after football. And uh, you know, I, I feel pretty good. And so I thought, you know, this is probably a better time than, uh, as good a time as any. Now, what are you going to do for employment? Um, I've actually been a real estate agent for the last nine years, but uh, you know, part time because of the football, but. Uh, so now it's going to be a, a full-time thing. I've uh, got the developments going, and you know we're building uh, some duplexes up in Port St. John, and I'm looking to do some other things down here in the Lower Mainland. But uh, yeah, I'm going to start doing that uh, full-time. All right. I mean, you are the, were the last player who was an Ottawa Rough Rider to, to still be active in the Canadian Football League. Did you did you play a lot of games with the Rough Riders, or were you just on the roster? No, no, I played uh, four games. Um, I played with Jacques Climey, actually, um, and uh, Dexter Manley way back when as well. Um, yeah, I played four games, and uh, it was sort of lent, when, lent, lent to them from uh, BC when Terry Baker, he got hurt, pulled a, he pulled a hamstring. So, yeah, that was the – played for them and played against the Renegades, and, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a long journey. Tell me about a couple of your other stops. You were with the Scottish Claymores in the old league that some people affectionately called the World Laugh, the WLAF, the World League of American Football. I think they regretted that acronym after uh, a couple of weeks. But uh, how how did you wind up with the Scottish Claymores, and what was it like playing in that league? Because it was mo- it was all European teams, right? Yeah. Well, actually, that was quite interesting because. Uh, I was in, uh, uh, that was in uh, 96. So in 95, I, no, sorry, 94, I was with BC. 95, 
BC wanted me um, to, to be their kicker, but uh, they had a, an older guy there named Louie, and he wouldn't go away. So they put me on their, their IR for the whole year, and there were three games left. They weren't going to make the playoffs, and I was told by Eric Tillman that, you know, they're going to have to start cutting expenses, so they're going to cut me. And um, I was like, okay, fine. He says, well, you know, we're, I'm going to be going to NFL Europe. And uh, I said, oh, that's kind of cool. Where are you going to go? And he says, well, he's going to be at the, the league office, and uh, there's going to be teams in Scotland and everything else. And, and I don't know why. I just said to him, well, are they going to have national players? Because uh, my parents are from Scotland. I have a British passport. And uh, he said, well, of course they are. And I said, well, I've got a British passport. He called the league office. I would qualify as a national player. So um, I, off I went, went and played for the Scottish Claymores. And, you know, I got to go watch my my cousins play. He played for Celtic at the time. And my grandmother, she lived there, and my aunts and uncles. So it was a, it was quite an interesting, uh, you know, season for me. But it was good. I mean, were the fans uh, into it? Were they up on the, the rules and the style of play? Did, were you celebrities? What was that whole thing like? Yeah, you know what, we were because um, in, in Europe, there's, the people aren't as big as North American people are just in stature. And uh, so, you know, there is a following, an NFL following over there. So we had, I think when we played in the World Bowl, we had over 40,000 people. We might have averaged about 23, 26,000 people at our, our stadium. We played in Murray, uh, my goodness, Murrayfield is where the Scottish national rugby team played in Edinburgh. Um, so it was, it was, it was pretty good. They had a, they had a row of, um, can, can men, I guess, you know, they were, they were dressed like, uh, if you watched Braveheart, these guys had kilts on and they're painted in blue and white war paint. And, uh, it was, um, it was unfortunate to be on field level because when they did the can, can, they were true Scotsmen. So you use, there's nothing left for the imagination. Oh, wow. Okay. There's a great <laughs> mental image for the radio audience tonight. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, uh, Paul McCallum joining us on uh, Inside Sports. Obviously, longtime kicker in the CFL. Just announced his retirement. Uh, so you got you won the World Bowl with uh, with the Scottish Claymores. You came back to the CFL. Now, i got to ask you, you played for the Las Vegas Outlaws in the short-lived XFL. I, I mean, are, are the... Are, are the is the reality as crazy as some of the stories with that league? Yes, it was absolutely. It's um, that's where I actually met Adriano Bella. Uh, he he and I played there together. I played with uh, well, you had Rod Smart in Edmonton for a little while. He hate me. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty wild. Vince McMahon just he he wanted you to show all your raw emotions. Don't hold back. Say whatever comes to mind because there's like a five second delay and. Uh, uh, it, it was uh, it was a, like a circus for the first little while. They had the, you know the wrestling commentators, but um, unfortunately, starting like that, it, it didn't uh, feature that there was good quality football until the end of the season. But by then, we'd already lost uh, you know the TV ratings and things like that. But it uh, it was a lot of fun. I'd never been to Vegas before, and uh, there's lots more to Vegas than gambling. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, you scored the first ever XFL points. My producer Dave Campbell told me so. There's a little uh, trivia question. Um, did you meet Vince McMahon? Yes. Yeah. No. He um, he came down. We had uh, half the half the league had training camp in Vegas, and the other um, had theirs in Orlando. So there was uh, four teams. I believe it was the four teams in Vegas, 
and uh, Vince McMahon came down and um, oh, I'm drawing a blank. The, the gentleman, uh, Dick Ebersol, or I think oh, yeah. his name from NBC, they yeah. all came down and they talked to the all the players, and um, then they, uh, Dick Dick Buckus came down as well because I think he was more of an ambassador. But uh, yeah, it was um, pretty. Uh, it was pretty entertaining. Paul McCallum joining us. I, I just got, I, like I said, I could probably talk to you for an hour, but I'll try to limit it here to, to two or three more. You 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 played mainly for BC and Saskatchewan. Obviously, we talked about the stint with the with the Ottawa Rough Riders, but but I mean, I'll, I'll best remember you with, with those two teams. Um, the, you played for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Everybody, you know, remembers the the manure incident. Unfortunately, I guess that's part of your your history in the league. Um, yep. But you also played for, but you were also received a lot of accolades for your play with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, yep. and you were beloved by the fans. I guess you experienced some highs and lows with that fan base. But what's it like to actually be a Saskatchewan Rough Rider, especially for as long as you were? Um, you know what? It's, it's amazing. Um, the, the team has such um, a passionate following with the fans there. Um, you know, I was there in the you know mid '90s, early 2000s, and you know the team wasn't that good. They uh, you know we didn't I think one year I had a three and fifteen, and, and uh, it, it it was tough. But you know the fans were always there supporting the players, um, supporting the team. You know when they're when they're not doing well they're still there um so it, it's a hard thing to to explain to people unless you really experience it um walking through i mean when i when i ended up leaving saskatchewan i was walking through the mall and there was lady complete strange lady started you know i made eye contact with her she looked at me looked at me again and then she started crying it was really a surreal thing and she came up started hugging me didn't she didn't even say anything and i was standing there in the mall and the strange lady's hugging me crying so um yeah it's uh Hard to describe, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll miss all of that. Do you have? Do you, is there a point of uh, a, a kick, a game? I mean, and I know you won a couple of great cups. Is there a kick or a game you really remember as standing out, or a, or a high moment in your career that something really shines for you? Yeah, um, it was 2011 when we were we were uh, playing against Calgary, and I had the consecutive my consecutive field goal streak ended at 30 and the one i missed um was it larry taylor i believe he returned it all the way back for a touchdown with about three minutes left to go in the game um and they were you know that was to go ahead and um we were driving down the last few seconds of the game to get within field goal range and uh it was going to be a 53 yard field goal and i remember i started to go to the field and wally put his hand up to say stop like you didn't want me to kick the football and I just looked at him, and I just blew him off, and I went out and kicked it, and we won the game. And uh, that, that to me, was um, that was pretty memorable because it clinched first place, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it was, I don't know, it just was a memorable kick. Okay, so my follow-up question is, you disobeyed Wally Buono. Are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we had a bit of a different uh, relationship, Wally and I. I mean, it's, and it's all good, but... You know, um, I wouldn't say I disobeyed. I think the hand going up was more along the lines of, are you sure? Are you okay? And that's I just went out and did it. Yeah, I, I remember that game now that you bring it up because, yeah, it was such a big deal that, yeah, the streak ended and Calgary ran it back and all that stuff, and then and then you redeemed yourself. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah. uh, okay, I, I like asking this of, of former players because I often get interesting answers. Who was the best player you ever played with 
and who was the best player you ever played against? Uh, that's a tough one. Um, I would have to say, I'm going to say Dave Dickinson. Um, and the only reason being is because of the way that he handled himself. Um, it, it was like a, uh, the, the confidence that he had, the grasp of the game that he had. Um, you know, Dave wasn't Dave wasn't the kind of player where he's going to outrun you, and um, you know, he doesn't have a cannon of an arm. But he was just so smart. You could watch him in practice, and he just seemed he was head and, head and shoulders above a lot of the other quarterbacks that have been around as far as anticipating and just being smart and knowing the game. Um, so I'd have to say he would be probably the, the I would say the best. Um, and uh, played against, uh, well, from a, uh, that, that's, a, that, that's a tough one because, you know, if I was punting the ball, who am I going to punt the ball away from? There's a lot of smart returners. Um, shoot, that's a I, – I don't think I could pick one, to be honest with you. Okay, no, uh, fair, fair enough. All right, Paul, last one for you. You've been, you've been so generous with your time. I mean, 1993 to 2015 <sighs> – I mean, it, the league changed so much. B- biggest change, most significant change you saw, or just how how is the league different than when you broke in? The um, the players, um, how do I put it? When I came into the league, you had to fight, scratch for everything you'd get. Um, you had to earn everything. Um, you know, kids coming out of college, they still had to pay their dues, whether it be carry your helmet or. You know, just the respect level, um, and I don't mean this to, 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 in a bad way. It's just, it's just the way that the world is now. And uh, you know, you see kids coming out of college now, and you know, they expect they were superstars in college, and they're gonna, you know, step in and play, and um, they just don't have that same mentality of they've got to earn it, earn the respect, and everything else. And you know, I guess the, the same sort of uh, comparison would be these kids that are drafted out of U.S. colleges and they're getting $10 million and they've never even, you know, taken a snap. It's just, uh, it's it's sort of the, I guess, the generation of entitlement. Well, Paul, what an, what an incredible career. Like I mentioned, uh, two great, what, 06 and 2011, you won the Great Cup and uh, numerous playoff games, the the consecutive streak, tons of big kicks, and and uh, lots of great memories. So, hey, now when it's you wake up in the morning and it's windy, you don't have to worry about figuring out how to kick in it. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that ended when I left Saskatchewan because that was one thing you used to do. You'd get up and look outside and see which, how far the trees were bending. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I interviewed uh, 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 Ryan from the Seahawks, um, John Ryan. John Ryan, and uh, at the couple months after they won their Super Bowl, so he's kicked in all the NFL cities. And I said, "What are the two toughest places to kick?" And he still said, "Winnipeg and Regina." So, oh, so there you go. Yeah, yeah, no, by far. I mean, uh, my, uh, Mike Vanderjack years ago, he said the same thing to me. He said it's a lot easier to kick in the NFL because of the stadiums and everything else. And um, Canada has always been a hard place to play. Paul, all the best in the next phase of your life. Maybe someday we can chat again. I really appreciate your time. Hey, no problem. Thanks for your time. That is Paul McCallum checking in tonight inside Sports Hot 630 Chat. Wow, talk about some great stories. The Scottish Claymores, the, the true Scotsman with the uh, kilts getting ready for the game, meeting Vince McMahon, 
Yeah, awesome stuff. Glad to have Paul on the show. Thanks to Dave Campbell for lining that up for us tonight. Uh, we got to take a quick break. 7.50. Still ahead, we're going to meet some members of uh, an undefeated team in Edmonton that's going for an undefeated season and an Olympic-bound referee. All ahead on Inside Sports. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, it's 7.54. The Leafs and the Islanders are now in a shootout, so the Leafs tied it late. 7.54. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Uh, some other notes today. The NHL is uh, ruling that those uh, off-season sexual assault allegations against Patrick Kane uh, were unfounded, and they determined that the uh, Chicago Blackhawks star will not face any discipline from the league. So he still could have been uh, disciplined by by the league, even though all the uh, the legal stuff had died down. The NHL today announced three more outdoor games. They already announced the Oilers and the Jets. That's the Heritage Classic on Sunday, October 23rd. The alumni game will be the day before. They're going to have a Centennial Classic at BMO Field in Toronto with the Leafs home to Detroit. On January 2nd, they'll have the traditional Winter Classic with the Blues hosting the Chicago Blackhawks as the uh, Leafs go ahead in the shootout. And uh, then February 18th, they'll have one of the Stadium Series games. That'll be at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh with the Penguins home to the Philadelphia Flyers, Battle of Pennsylvania. Quick look at the scoreboard here. I mentioned the shootout between the Islanders and the Leafs. The Hawks up 1-0 on the Blues. Andrew Ladd, the former Jet with his 19th of the season. And the Leafs pull it out. That's well, the Islanders. They were hoping to get two tonight. They only get one. Last shot, I think, went wide. So Toronto wins at 4-3. Predators and Flames halfway through the first period. No score. Later on tonight, starting in a few minutes, the Avalanche hosting the Ducks. The Coyotes will visit Vancouver. The Capitals will play the Kings. Of course, our next Oilers broadcast tomorrow host or, uh, in Minnesota. 4.30 face-off show, 6 o'clock. Puck drop, of course, Inside Sports presented AMA. Be listening for that Oilers game tomorrow. Alberta Motor Association's Oilers Hockey AMA. Safety and sa savings for your family. All right, pretty cool in the next hour. We got some in-studio guests at 8.30. We'll be joined by Mike Gabinet and Kevin Carthy, coach and forward respectively from the Nate Ooks hockey team. All they've done this season, if you consider this an accomplishment, is not lose a game. They're 32-0 with playoffs coming up this weekend. And in studio, waiting to be interviewed, you know, I've talked to uh, Olympians before, different type of an Olympian. She's a referee, so please don't call in and boo. For once, give her a break. Karen Lasuk, she's gonna be refereeing basketball in the Olympics this summer. We'll find out how that happened. She'll tell some stories. That's all ahead, Inside Sports on 630 Chat.